Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. Well, welcome to today's podcast, and I am thrilled and honored to be able to have with us Josh Weingarner, who is in a runoff for the 13th Congressional uh, Representative spot. And it has been an adventure, hasn't it? It has been. This race is, uh, it was supposed to, this election was supposed to be held May 26th. So we've, because of COVID, added an extra month and a half, and uh, it's made for a long campaign. So you went from a sprint to a marathon. That's right. Yeah. Well, actually, it was a just a longer sprint. Okay. <laughs> I bet that's true because you you haven't really been able to pace yourself. Right. It's just a lot. Well, thank you for taking time to come and, and visit with us. I will say I am so uh, privileged that I have been able to sit with Josh one other time and also with Dr. Jackson and um, both of these guys. I just really believe in your commitment to uh, America, to Texas, and to life, and to the Lord, and I'm just excited about what that's going to look like for our district, and so I just want to say thank you for putting your family um, out there. I know this isn't just you. It's your family. It's everybody that's around you, supporting you, and uh, it's a sacrifice, so thank you, Josh, very much. I appreciate that, and thanks for having us on, too. Uh, and thanks for those kind words because it is it's tough on uh, as a candidate we we're ex- I guess we expect it in it but it's it's the impact that it has on my wife and kids and family members uh, that it is tough oh yeah it is taxing well would you open this in prayer and then we've got lots of things we can talk about sure. today all right I'd love to. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the rain that you've given us. And thank you for all the blessings you've given us in our lives. And uh, and thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who, who lived with us, um, taught us, and then sacrificed himself for our future, uh, gave his life as a ransom for our sins. And uh, now, those of us that do believe, we know that we're guaranteed entry into your heavenly kingdom. Uh, we, we we thank you so much for that and, and all the things that you've given us uh, and, and for this community, uh, the community that we live in, and, and just continue to, to bless us, uh, give us guidance, uh, be, with, uh, be, be with Candy and her ministry, and... Uh, be with uh, our family as we continue to campaign and all of those that that are that are in, in this process uh pray for all all of the competitors that are running for uh, office today and uh be with their families as well bless them uh keep them safe and and shield their hearts from yes, uh, all the negative that 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 come up by people that that want to uh interject into the race uh thank you for Everything that you've given us, we ask your uh, your protection over us, over uh, those that are also serving in other capacities, whether that be in our military or law enforcement or our our healthcare workers. Thank you for for all that they do to uh, to protect us, to uh, to uh, continue to to serve the community. Um, ask all these things in, in the name of your Son Jesus and. Uh, Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, I am pumped up 
because we have sort of had a theme for the past many months, and it's let's go. And I think that as believers and as the church, um, we are at such a unique point in our nation's history that it is time for us to stand for the things that we value and stand for the things that God stands for. And one of those things is life. And something that has recently happened, uh, Louisiana passed uh, some legislation that would limit abortion. Uh, It was very like what Texas passed a year or two ago. And the Supreme Court uh, just overturned that. Um, And actually, Judge Roberts, who is supposed to be uh, conservative, uh, it was the swing vote and, and is the one that Um, actually caused that decision to come down that way. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm very, and disappointed is not strong enough, but that's the the first word that pops in my head, just disappointed in in Chief Justice Roberts for the action that he took to side with the the liberal justices on the Supreme Court um, that, I mean, just overturned what seemed to be a very common sense approach that Louisiana took that... uh, anyone providing these services had to have medical privileges. I mean, that, that doesn't seem like a stretch. I mean, I, in fact, I think we need to go farther than that, Yeah. as we, you and I have talked before. But uh, within the law, it, it just seems like that it, it was something that it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think it's another example of this case plus the case where uh, Justice Gorsuch was, was the uh, swing vote on, on another issue. I think it really is activism at work mm-hmm. um, on the other side, really forcing us to uh, deal with things that, that we know doesn't fit our value system, our culture, or the culture of our country. Uh, that's, that's a major concern that I've had throughout my life is just seeing that the, the people that are in places of power um, don't think the same way that I do. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I got into this race was that I want to make sure that uh, that we have a representative that really believes, that has the same values, the same cultural um, upbringing, the same um, Christian faith that I do. Mm-hmm. And um, to make sure that that is first and foremost what we're looking at when we're talking about these issues. So I'm disappointed in the actions that the Supreme Court has taken. Uh, I think that's another key reason why we have to reelect President Trump so that we can appoint some more conservative justices to the Supreme Court because we know that those people are, I mean, it's a lifetime appointment. So making sure that we have people that, that say and do what, <laughs> what they what say, they say uh, <laughs> it is, is going to be key for us moving forward. And, and we know there are going to be some vacancies that come up over the next several years. So having President Trump in the White House to make those appointments rather than his opponent is is very significant for us in our country. It's huge. It may be one of the biggest uh, reasons to consider voting for a conservative for president. So that brings us to what are your thoughts on President Trump? Well, I I very much support President Trump. I think he's been, I think I've even made this statement to you previously, but I think he's probably the most pro-life president we've ever had. Yes. And having him in office, again, for the justices, but also for the common sense that he brings, the, the different mindset that he brings to these issues is, is, is critical for our country. And we've seen all the, the, the mess that we've experienced over the last several weeks. And uh, 
you know, having a, a strong leader in office that makes a decision and sticks with it and moves forward for the benefit of our country is, is key. Um, so I'm a strong supporter of the president. I know people have seen other things on Facebook, but they're just not true. Uh, been supporting the president even before he was elected and uh, want to continue to work with his administration on a number of issues. Uh, in addition to him being the most pro-life president, he's been a huge asset and a huge champion for uh, farmers and ranchers, and we know that that is a key component to the economy in the 13th district. So continuing to work with him to strengthen our farm and ranch economy, to provide us more access into foreign markets uh, is critical. Getting our, our products sold overseas where we know consumers want to buy them, mm -hmm. uh, that gives us the ability to increase our output and to um, to also get more for the products that we produce. Right. So having customers uh, all over the world, having them more dependent on our products than we are on theirs is, is key mm -hmm. uh, because we can't ever let ourselves get into a situation where we are dependent on somebody else, especially for critical things like food, uh, energy, you know, medicine, medicine exactly. Yeah. We've, we've been through, been through all those things. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that people's eyes are open to that now. And, uh, I hope that we continue to see a strong push for agricultural exports, energy exports, and then moving our manufacturing base back here. And, and that all comes from, and, and the president's going to be key in this, but that's removing those regulatory burdens that make it so uh, easy for certain companies to say, it's cheaper for us to do it overseas. Right. We don't have to deal with the labor department. We don't have to deal with uh, the tax system. We don't have to deal with uh, environmental regulations. These, some of these things that just don't even make sense. Uh, we've gotten into a really bad situation in this country of where we have one-size-fits-all regulations and policies that are meant to address a small situation in one part of the country, but it then becomes, it's applied across the country. And we know, I mean, just taking banking, for example, the banks in New York and LA, much different than the community banks in, 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 in Amarillo and the Panhandle and the rest of this district. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, they have a completely different function. And unfortunately, people didn't look at it that way. And now those same community banks that are critical to our our, our communities are being forced to comply with regulations that were meant for big Wall Street banks. And yes. it, it's really hurting our ability. And, and I think that's where we'll see the best stimulus mm. coming out of COVID, getting our economy back on track, is getting rid of the regulatory burden that's been placed on uh, not just financial institutions, that's just one that, that comes to mind, but um, getting people back to work, allowing them to expand their businesses, start new businesses, removing those uh, impediments that the government has put in place will really be the stimulus that we need. Absolutely. And that, you know, you're saying it's not one size fits all. It doesn't make sense. These banks here are not like the big banks. I think that that translates across every issue that we are facing right now. And so often we we, my family, and my friends, and people here, so much of this is nonsense. And when you regulate something, you should have to express how that addresses the problem, not regulation for regulation's sake. 
And that is what I think we're seeing in every aspect and certainly even related to COVID. So what are your thoughts on COVID-19? Where are we at here locally? How do you think we should be addressing it or not? Um, just what are your thoughts on the virus right now? Well, and before I get to that, back to your previous statement, I, I agree with you completely. And I, and I think one of the, the, the issues we need to look at here is we've got too many elected officials with their own pet projects. Yep. And that's where some of these regulatory burdens come from initially. Yes. And then we've got regulators that have their own ideas on how the policies that are passed by Congress are then should then be implemented. Mm -hmm. they're, 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 they're taking steps that they don't have the authority for. These are unelected people that have never uh, had to, to, to really sit with voters and explain their actions. Um, and, and that's created a massive problem throughout our government. One of the things that I would like to do um, is take kind of what I've been calling kind of a Texas solution to this, and, and that is in, in Texas, we put all of our agencies and departments through sunset review. Okay. And during that, they have to justify their existence. They have to justify their actions. They have to justify how they spent their money. And that's taxpayers' money. It's mm -hmm. not their money. So they have to justify those things. And if the legislature deems that they're not doing the job they're supposed to be doing, then th that agency is, is done away with uh, or is cut back significantly. Those are things that would really hold the that type, those agencies, those career bureaucrats accountable because then they would have to justify what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I think Which that, is what every other business exactly. organization has to do. Exactly. And the government should be no different. So yes. that is great. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm, and I'm not saying that's an easy thing to get done, but it is something that I will certainly push for because it just, again, it makes sense. It's common sense for, for those of us that understand business and, and understand, you know, how we're, we need to really shepherd the taxpayer dollars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and with COVID, which is kind of where we're going to head now, one of the things that has been heartbreaking to me, and, and I am for protecting people who may be more vulnerable to the disease and for being wise and to listening to healthcare workers. Right. Um, but when you tell a senior in high school or college, you don't get to have graduation. Right. You don't get to have prom. You can't play baseball. You don't get to go to summer camp. Right. I think that warrants a little bit more of a rational explanation to those kinds of decisions than just, well, cut. Right. We're not doing it. Because it is causing hopelessness. And those things are life experiences that we don't get back and if we can't do them fine but you owe this generation more of an explanation than just put on a mask and stay home right. and it's devastating to them and it's heartbreaking to me watching it take place so what are your what are your thoughts on the virus and how president trump's handling it and how we're handling it yeah. and, and i think from from the start i mean i think the president did exactly what he needed to do with the information that he had. But we know now that the Chinese lied to us about the severity of the disease. They put, they put uh, steps in place to prevent the spread of the disease in their own country. They hoarded masks and other other medical equipment that was needed. <laughs> but they, they still only have about 85,000 right. confirmed cases, yeah. right? Yeah, and they're, they're not giving us the information uh, that, that the world needs to, to know how to, to respond. But they let their flights 
internationally continue to operate. So, I mean, I think that, that we, they're, they're culpable in all of this, and uh, we need to hold them accountable moving forward because of the, the, the actions that they took at the very beginning and th that they're still taking with not giving us uh, accurate information. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I agree with you completely on community. Uh, I mean, we have a, and this is one of the things that's been so hard for me uh, and I know for a number of other people, and we, we talked a little bit about kids going to church camp just a second ago um, and, and how they are really missing that. And, and we know that, that children especially, but adults too, we, need, we live in community. We need interaction with people. Um, one of the things that, that, I mean, growing up here, we, we shake hands, we hug. You know, we have our groups of people that we're, we interact with on a regular basis. You know, we go to church and, and, and be part of that, you know, not just our community, but God's community yes. and, and being able to commune together and, and have those those prayer times, the, the, the worship times. And, you know, that's that's a struggle um, for, for a lot of us. And I see it uh, in talking to people. Um, I see it just inter interacting with people on the street that, that you can tell that they're there's either uncertainty about what should I do or shouldn't I do, and oh, yeah. and um, you know they're just or anger, right? Exactly. You're wearing a mask and I'm not, or right. vice versa. I mean, it's crazy, right? It really is, and and it's. I just again, I just pray for our country and and for those people. I, it really, to me, boils but down to individual responsibility. Yes, uh, I think that's back to a number of issues going on today. We, we bring it back to individual responsibility and uh, the importance of, of our culture, uh, then we can, we can, we'll get through this. I mean, we're resilient. Uh, I hate the, the, what the mitigation efforts have done to our economy mm -hmm. and to people's lives because of that. Uh, some of the steps that were taken while they were well-intended and we did with the information we had, obviously have had serious ramifications on people's personal finances, their businesses, their family life. Um, you know, I, there are some bright spots to it too. Yeah. And I hate to use that word in, in, in reference to COVID, but some things that I've seen coming out of COVID that, that give me a little hope um, is that uh, I see a lot more people sharing on social media, hey, Come join us at our church service that's yeah. online. Uh, you know, get on this Zoom call that we're going to do where we're going to pray for our community. Uh, yeah. Those things where before that, I, I think, and I know a number of people that would have been very hesitant to just walk up to somebody and say, hey, why don't you join me at church? Uh, but on social media, they'll, they'll say, hey, here's a link to our church service. Please join us. We'd love to have you. So, And I think having talked to a number of pastors, they've seen an increase in, in the people that have uh, participated in their services. Oh, yeah. I think that's that. tremendous. Yeah. And and I think people are open to it now right? in a different way as well, too. Right. Yeah, I, I want to log in and, and be a part of that. So there are, yeah. and families. Right. I mean, we've had family time, and we've sat on the porch and talked with our kids and played games and, and that's been a wonderful thing as well. And I do believe there are things we can take from this COVID experience that will make things better. Yeah. 
Um, so there's definitely, I would agree, bright spots. Yeah. And, and there's some things that were pointed out too. It's another, another, another thing that I've been talking about for a long time where I think it's going to be a real benefit to our district that I recognized through COVID and I think other people also did. Back when we were still in school, we were teaching from home, working from home. Uh, when you've got two parents on a Zoom call and two kids on a Google Classroom doing their schoolwork, you know, our internet, while good, it lags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that's a clear indication of the importance of broadband and fiber optic technology throughout the district. And that is a, in my mind, that can be a real game changer for a rural district like this because that provides much, many more opportunities for businesses, but also the employees. And I can see this as an opportunity to where use this as an example. I have a number of friends uh, that I grew up with graduating from Spearman that would love to be raising their kids in the panhandle like I am to, to have started their family here, but they didn't think they had that option because mm. of the jobs that, that they were educated for. Right. Now, if we if we can move to where we have connectivity throughout, I can see where you, teleworking becomes much broader Oh yeah, uh, and you may have a family of four or five that, that that moves back to that small town to raise their family, and they're working full time jobs, but they may be telecommuting to Houston or Dallas or you know New York or L.A. Who who knows? But uh, and that changes the dynamic of that town because now you've got young couples with young kids that are in the schools. Oh yeah, um, that that other spouse may not be a may not be teleworking, but may have another skill set where they're now working at the school or the bank or, or um, they may be a welder or a plumber. You know, so you're, you're, you're bringing new people into your, and, and they're not new, you're bringing younger people into the community that, that have been part of the community. So it's not a cultural change, but it is an increase in people and, and services and you name it. I mean, and just think of small school districts like... Uh, Take Groover as an example. You add a uh, couple of kids, that's a big, it's big a change big in, the, in their numbers, right? Yeah. So you've got three or four families doing the same thing. Now you've, you know, you're really getting uh, increase in students. You've got now maybe a need for new teachers. Just a number of things that will really increase the the viability of our smaller communities. So it's just a win-win for everybody. I think so. Yeah. I think so, too. And I think there are so many people, just like you're saying, that would like to raise their families in a small community, but they got to be able to make a living. Mm -hmm. So that's a great point and, and something I hadn't thought of. Has COVID impacted, changed, strengthened your views on immigration? Well, it has brought some things to light. Uh, I won't say that it's changed anything because I've been a very strong advocate of finishing our border wall, uh, putting the other um, technological uh, advancements that we have on the border to help us really protect uh, our southern. And, and we need to focus on our northern border, too. It's not just the southern border. Right. But we need to know who's coming in and out of our country on a, on a daily basis. Uh, people need to follow our laws. Our immigration system is designed for our benefit. Now, if it helps somebody else get on their feet, if it helps take them out of a situation that, that they were in that was bad, 
that's that's a plus. But overall, immigration is, is made for our country, mm -hmm. and it should be a benefit to our country, not a drain on our country. Exactly. And we've gotten away from that. We've gotten to where we've we've got too many people that have crossed the border illegally. We've got too many people that have come here legally and then overstayed their visas. Mm -hmm. And both are serious serious problems. So, first and foremost, we have to finish the wall and give our border patrol the resources they need. Give the um, give the state government the resources that it needs. Unfortunately, in Texas, we're spending more state resources patrolling the border than, than we should be because it really is a federal issue. Oh, but, yeah. But that's just the way what we've had to do. Um, but after that, we've got to then reform our entire immigration system. Mm -hmm. um, we need to make sure that we know who's coming across. We need to make sure once they're here, where are they? Uh, <laughs> exactly. We can't, we can't lose these people in... in have no clue what they're doing if they decide that they're leaving that job that they came over here to do. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a big feat. Uh, we're going to have to tackle it all, but uh, it, it's something we have to do. I, I've said border national security starts with our border security, mm -hmm. and having a strong border is, is going to be one of the ways that we, we keep the drug traffickers out and the human traffickers and the people that want to come over here and do us harm. Exactly. Uh, but we have to make sure that we continue to have that pipeline of people that have been background checked in their home country that are coming over here to do a job because we know, I mean, pre-COVID, we had one of the lowest unemployment rates anywhere in the country. There were jobs that we could not find U.S. citizens to do. Yeah. So if we want to keep our economy going, we still have to have the ability to bring in those temporary workers, those uh, those H-1A, H-1B type workers uh, to make sure that, that we continue to have that uh, that economy, our economy moving forward. Now, at the same time, I think we also need to really look at how do we try to address that domestically? Yeah. How do we try to raise up a segment of our population that, that wants to get out and do those jobs. Right. Uh, and that would be more emphasis on career and technical education in my mind. Yeah. Having uh, you know, young people graduate from high school with a, with a degree uh, essentially that says, I am now skilled, I can go out and work, I don't have to go to college, I can yes. become... Yes, I have a skill. Yeah. Yeah. And those are good paying jobs. Again, back to those small communities. You know, a plumber, a welder, or an electrician. Mechanic. A mechanic. I mean, those are all things that are really good-paying jobs, especially in our smaller rural communities, and are things that we really need. Oh, because yeah. those people are, in a lot of communities, are getting older. And getting harder and, to find. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's a great point, too. Um, I do want to talk about the, the protests and I, I have a little bit of a hard time calling on protests at this point because it, it's just lawlessness. But I would, I would like to hear kind of your take on all of the statues that are being... I saw that this weekend a Christopher Columbus statue was thrown into a river. And I mean, we, we've lost all common sense in regard to these but but what do you think now that i've led no, so gently no. into the topic well I, I agree with you and i'm i'm of two different minds here i mean there are people that are protesting and doing what they are allowed to do by our constitution mm -hmm. they are exercising their right to voice opposition and that is protected and should be allowed but there are others the anarchists the the others that just want to 
caused trouble, that have completely removed even the emphasis that was needed on that issue into something completely different. It's, it's now no longer about the protests. It's about people that, in my mind, that just want to go out and cause damage and harm. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the, the issue that, was, that needed the, the attention that we needed to continue to discuss in, in our country has now been morphed into something that, that, it, that it wasn't designed for. So I, I oppose the, the removal of these statues. Uh, I, I hate the, what our culture has really devolved, some of our culture, I'm not going to say all. I mean, th there are some of us that, that that would never even occur to us that we would do anything oh, like no. that. But, uh, I mean, the, the constant threats against our, our law enforcement agents. Uh, I mean, I, I pray for them every night to make sure that, that God's hand is, is always on them and protecting them. I mean, they are, they are sacrificing, as are their families, and every time they walk out of their house, they don't know if they're coming home. So, oh, yeah. it, I mean, it's, it's just, and, and it's been that way. I mean, even at a simple traffic stop, they, you know, they don't know what they're walking up on. But in today's culture, uh, with what all the, the mess that's going on, it, it's just, it reminds me every day that, that continue to pray for, for those people that are putting their lives on the line for us uh, yeah. and, and their servants, uh, right. servants of, of the people, and that's what they want to do because they believe in it, and I'm glad they're there and want to do everything I can to support them. The removal of the statues, I mean, we can't change our history. Uh, we've got some really great things in our history, and we've got some things that aren't so great. Uh, but we can't forget those because that's what made us who we are and what we are. That's right. Um, if we removing the statues isn't going to change it, I think what we really need is more attention on our history. Uh, I'm actually a history major, so this it's pretty passionate to me. But or I'm pretty passionate about it. But if we were really teaching our kids about our history, the good and the bad, uh, then that's how we address our future. Exactly, um, and and you know, there's the old adage that if we if we don't learn our history, we're doomed to repeat it. Right. Well, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So, yes. having a focus on that, talking about it, but talking about it in in real terms. Not we're not going to sugarcoat anything. Right. We just need to talk about what happened in the past and and how we're different today, and how we're going to be different in the future. And um, I think that's how a culture and a community. Uh, evolves and, and really becomes better and, and more entwined with one another. Um, so that's I, I can't I can't say anything good about anything that's happened with regard to, to that. It's just I, I don't get any of it. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it, it goes back to uh, and the same thing with the law enforcement. It goes back to when I was growing up. I remember conversations with my dad very specifically where. If you get into a situation with law enforcement, they're the boss. Yes. They're wearing the badge. They're in charge. If you have a disagreement with them on what they're doing, that's after the fact. Yeah. That's not during that time. All right. And um, you respect. Yeah. You have to respect. You had to, yeah. You were taught respect of mm -hmm. law enforcement, of your military, of your elders. Yeah. And we've lost that. Right. It's 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 to my in my mind it's no longer an emphasis that we've placed on when we're raising our kids. Right. Um, and I think there are a number of things that can go into that and why that's happened, but uh, we really need to get back into that and, and make sure that we respect everybody. You know, have respect for one another. 
And uh, I mean, that's, yeah. It also, in my mind, it goes back to, you know, the when Jesus was telling us the, the, the two commandments of love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And I mean, you've got to show respect. We've got, to, we don't have to always agree, but we should respect one another. Exactly. Which kind of leads us to maybe our last topic for today, and that is, how has your faith impacted you during this campaign, and how do you think it will impact you as a representative from the 13th District? Well, it is, it is the basis of my campaign and my existence. Um, we pray as a family, individually, on a daily basis about the campaign, the actions that we take during the campaign, and then uh, it will be the the core of my uh, of how I serve this district in Congress. Um, I mean, the two things that I will look to the most will be my faith and what God has told us through the Bible and our Constitution, mm-hmm. and those two documents. Um, are, the, are where I'm going to put my focus on how I represent this district. It's, it's, I, you can't do it without it. Um, and we'll continue to, to, to go to God in prayer and ask Him for guidance, ask Him for discernment, ask Him for, uh, to continue to ask to, to, to bless our country and protect those that, that, that are serving us because it is, we can't do this without God. It, it just doesn't work. And I just want to say thank you for that because we, the people of this district, need righteous men to represent us. And uh, we need leaders who will pray and seek wisdom and direction from the Lord. Because I agree that this is so much bigger than what someone with good intentions can overcome. It is truly going to take... Uh, the wisdom, the protection, the direction that comes only from the Lord. So I just want to say thanks again. Thank you to Jenny and your sweet family. And I know that they have sacrificed a lot. Um, It's painful uh, emotionally to go through things like this. And I hate that. I hate that about the process. But I just want to say thank you for being willing to step out there and be obedient to what you believe the Lord told you to do and and it's to step out and and make an impact and I respect very much that you are using your voice and I think more of us need to do that thank you um is there anything else that you want to add before I close this well I I guess I just follow up on what you what you just said and that is that, that I really do feel like this is something that I was called to do that it was uh I'm it's not my personality. I'm, I was very reluctant at first, but I uh, uh, was encouraged to, to run for this office by a number of people. And then it, through three church services, it, it really felt like this was the direction I was given, even when I was asking for, you know, because I, 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 w- I was concerned at times. Make sure this isn't my ego that's pushing me into this, but it is what you want me to do. And asked for those closed doors, asked if this isn't right for me, tell me. And I, I remember that last service was, when I tell you what I want you to do, do it. Mm-hmm. And that really, it, it, 
I mean, I, I'm getting chills talking about it, but I, I did there in the church service was that was that was what really said, okay, I've got to I've got to got to do it. I've got to be obedient and uh, and and try to help use the expertise that that I've received from working in two senator senators' offices, working with the cattle feeders. Use that expertise that I've developed to give back to to my home, mm-hmm. and that's what I want to do. Give back to my home and honor God, and that's and that's how I'm approaching have approached this whole campaign. Uh, making sure that uh, and very clearly that the, the stuff that we were talking about, we I wasn't going to do it if we didn't have the information to back it up. Right. And uh, and honesty is is it's one of those things that that means so much to me. And uh, making sure that that information is accurate is the same way. And mm-hmm. that's that's how we've approached the campaign, and that's how we'll approach you know representing this area is making sure that we're doing what we need to do for the people of this district, but doing it in a way that the people of this district will respect. Exactly. And I think it's just so important for all of us to use the skills and talents that the Lord's given us to make an impact for the kingdom. And that just sometimes means being obedient, and a lot of times it's outside of our comfort zone. So thank you again for uh, not only taking time to be here, but for what you're doing for our community. And thanks for everything you do for our community. Well, thank you. It's a privilege. And your ministry. Thank you very much. Well, I'm going to close us in prayer and let you hit the road. All right. God, I thank you so much for the Weingartner family, and I thank you for what they add to our community. And God, I just ask for your peace, your protection, your blessing over them, God, and everything that they put their hand to. I ask, God, that every morning when they get up and they start uh, this campaign, once again, that you would remind them of why you've asked them to do this, God. And may they honor you in all that they say and do. Lord, we pray over our district, over our cities, God, over our state, over our nation, and over this world. And Lord, we ask above all that you would help us to be a good representation of who your son is and what he means in our lives, God, and help us to point people to him. And you are the answer to all of our questions and all of these situations. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to just consume us and change things, Lord. And we will be obedient to your word in our life. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Josh. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.